This morning, I want to preach a message on water baptism. Surprise. As Gomer Pyle said, surprise, surprise, surprise. Um, this next Sunday, we're going to have a baptism. The way we do uh, baptisms here, I know some churches, uh, you'll do a baptism every single week. Others will schedule a baptism. Uh, anytime anyone comes to me and says, uh, I want to be baptized, or if someone just gets saved and I speak to them about whether or not they have been baptized, uh, I will then schedule a baptism and we get her done. Amen? And so we're going to have a baptism this next Sunday. Um, for our family Sunday, and we're also going to have a formal communion service that, that day as well. We're going to celebrate the two sacraments and ordinances of the church that Jesus set in place. And so I thought I would take this Sunday to share my heart with you about baptism, and then let's just baptize a whole passel of people next week. Amen? All right. So next Sunday in our service, in our family Sunday, we're going to conduct a baptism. I want to talk to you about it today. I want you to understand what it is. I want you to understand why we do it. I want you to understand what it means to your walk as a Christian. And I want you to fully understand why you should desire it in the, full, in the first place. Now there's probably, I'd venture to say, there's probably some Christians here today who have not been baptized. Uh, there's probably some Christians who were baptized as infants in, in, in the infant baptism of sprinkling. Uh, and there may be some that uh, you were baptized at one point in your life, but you backslid and went so far away from God, you just want to get a fresh start on things, okay? So there may be a number of different things. But if you would, would you turn with me, please, to the book of Matthew, and let's read a passage of Scripture, and then we'll get into this this morning. Matthew chapter 3. Thank you. Praise God. All right. We always used to do this. We haven't done it very much. When you get to your destination, you just holler, I love the word. Okay, a few of you haven't got there yet. Here we go. Matthew chapter 3, starting with verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you are coming to me. But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. And when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, and alighting upon him, and suddenly a voice came from heaven, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. There's a, there's a whole handful of messages right here in this passage of Scripture. I believe Miss Corey will have or has a sign-up for baptism. It's going to be available at the end of the service. Let's pray for a minute. Father, thank you today for the opportunity to preach your word and to bring a message to the people of God. I ask today, Lord, that you will anoint me to say the things that you have planted in my heart. May they be your thoughts, not mine, your words, not mine. And may all of our ears be open to hear what you would speak to us, even individually and corporately. May our minds be open to understand and may our hearts be wide open to receive absolutely everything that the Spirit of God would say to us today. We'll always be cautious and careful to make sure you get all the honor and the glory. And everybody said, Amen. So here we are in this story at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. Now John had already been baptizing uh, people. He had been preaching <coughs> excuse me, a message of repentance and the need to be baptized. But now something amazing occurs. Something unexpected happens. Jesus, John's cousin shows up at the Jordan River and asks John, baptize me. Well, why in the world would Jesus ask John to baptize him? Here he is. I mean, think about it. He's the son of God. He's without sin. Uh, he's sent to die for the sins of all humanity. He dropped out of 
heaven in the form of a baby, grew up at about the age of 30 now, and he is the son of God. Why would he, in the form of man, seek baptism? That's an interesting question if you think about it, because if there was ever a human being that lived that probably didn't need baptism, you might imagine could be Jesus. And yet Jesus, when John hesitated to baptize him, Jesus said this, and this is Matthew chapter 3, verse 15 in the New King James Version. It says, Jesus said, permit it to be so later. Permit it to be so when it's convenient. Permit it to be so when I haven't worn so much makeup to church and I don't want it running down my face or I haven't just got my hair done and I don't want to get my hair messed up or I didn't come prepared in shorts and a t-shirt. Permit it to be so. I wish somebody would holler at me or I'll just keep going on about it. Permit it to be so. That's right. For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Words of Jesus. The only segment here in this uh, passage in red, permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting in order to fulfill righteousness. You, please, you need to understand this. Jesus is basically saying that without baptism you do not fulfill right standing with God. Ouch. The NIV, New International Version, puts it this way. Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Look how it's written in the Passion, passion Translation. Jesus replied, and this is straight up simple. I like simple things. This, I can hang my hat on this one. It's only right to do all that God requires. It's only right to do all that God requires. I believe that's number one on your paper. That's pretty simple. It's a pretty clear way of putting it, don't you think? It's only right to do all that God requires. Christians seem to amaze me. Uh, they always say one thing and live another way. They say one thing and do another. Many people consider themselves, who consider themselves to be saved through Christ, see no need whatsoever to be baptized. But it's only right to do all that God requires. Um, why would somebody who claims to be a follower of Jesus Re refused to do the things that Jesus did and not only did but commanded to do so and didn't just command to do so but said you fulfill righteousness by doing this that Jesus himself the son of God felt the need <coughs> to say I've got to fulfill right standing I must do all that my father requires of me and one of those things was to go down to the river and to get baptized by John why would anybody who claims to, to be a Christian hear a statement of Jesus about baptism saying that it's right to do all that God requires, why would that person refuse to be baptized? It's an honest question. Now maybe there's some of you here today that you, maybe you've been a Christian for a while and you've never taken that step. You've never been baptized. So I may be shooting straight at you today. No apologies. Because it's only right to do all that God requires. I wish somebody would say amen in this quiet church this morning. One of those requirements is baptism. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, Jesus gave us something we know as the Great Commission. And he, he told us to go everywhere into all the world and to make disciples of all nations and to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. It did not say, go into every church, do an altar call, get as many people to raise their hand as possible, and then go on to the next church. Right. 
He said, no, you go everywhere and you make disciples. Don't just make converts. Make disciples. People who are following me and then baptize them. Hello, that's his one instruction after making a disciple. Baptize them. Didn't say send them to Believer School of Excellence. Although we want you to go. Didn't say become a member of the church. Although that'd be cool too. It said and baptize them. So here we have twice. Jesus in the very beginning of his ministry saying, you must, well he said, I Jesus must do this in order to fulfill right standing with my Father in heaven. And then he finishes his ministry by saying, go and make other disciples. And by the way, baptize them. Pretty profound words that Jesus brackets his whole ministry around baptism. Pretty amazing. The Son of God himself, the one person without any sin, requested to be baptized because... It was just the right thing to do. <laughs> cricket, cricket, cricket. Sure is quiet in this church. It meant that much to Jesus. Don't you think it ought to mean that much to his followers? You and I? Or are you just a casual church attender? Are you just a casual Christian? only at certain times, but don't want to take the full step. If we're to follow the example of Jesus in everything that we do, <clears throat> then why would we not also want to follow him in the example of baptism? To go into the waters and to be baptized. Throughout the New Testament, we see evidence of the importance of being baptized, but we also see something else. We see that every time that baptism is written about, it is written for believers in Jesus Christ. It's not written for unbelievers. Baptism is not meant for unbelievers. If an unbeliever got baptized, he would do nothing more than get wet. Okay? This is for a person who proclaims Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and becomes a believer in Jesus Christ. Otherwise, baptism will do no more than to wash the surface dirt off your body. And it has more meaning than that. If a person got baptized with the wrong heart, it would mean the same thing, nothing. Well, wait a minute, preacher. Isn't there a form by which, a formula by which, a method by which a person is supposed to be baptized? Come on, y'all. You can go to one place in the Bible, and we just read, baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. You can go to Acts chapter 2, uh, verse 38, where it says to baptize in the name of Jesus. So you have a whole group that will baptize in the Trinity. You'll have another group that will baptize in the oneness of Jesus. You've got some that will baptize by sprinkling. You've got some that will baptize by dunking. You have some that will baptize you three times in the name, each for the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And you've got guys like me that know that my primary job is to get you to heaven, so I just hold you under the water until the bubbles stop coming to the surface. Carrie's back there going, I ain't getting baptized in this church. I don't know. That ain't happening. <laughs> Pastor's man of his word. <laughs> and I, I was kidding, y'all. I really don't do that. Just the last couple of bubbles. But anyway. But you know what? You could do all those varying methods and styles, but if your heart isn't in the right place, it means about as much as an unbeliever getting baptized. It does no good. Number two on your paper, only when baptism is done with a heart that yearns for Jesus will it mean what it is meant to mean. You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do baptism because you have to. It is the right thing to do, and because Jesus did it, we ought to want to. When we accept Christ into our heart and become disciples of Jesus Christ, we begin to want the things that he wants. Amen. Even when it causes us to do something that's undignified. We also see something else in scriptures. Every time 
that somebody was baptized, it was because they made a personal choice to do so. So this has to be something that's not out of uh, church hierarchy and church government. <clears throat> it has to be because you have made a conscious choice. No one grabbed you by the ear and drug you to an altar of salvation and said, you better, you better accept Jesus Christ, I'm going to hit you with this club. No. Okay? And no one's going to drag you to the baptistry either and, and hold you under saying, now confess and repent. No, 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 no. This is your personal choice. I love that about our Father in Heaven, that He made us free will agents. We have the right to choose. And He did that because He wants us to choose Him. He wants us to make a choice for Him in everything that we do. That's why it means something to Him when we make the choice. He didn't create us to just go, yes, 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 whatever you say, yes, 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 no, no, no. He, he created us with the ability to say, I don't know, Dad, I don't know, Papa, I don't think so right now. But He also created us with the choice, whatever you want, Abba, Father, I'll do. And that's when He said, boy, my kids are after me, my kids are after me. So we see that people chose to humble their hearts before the Lord God and repent from the way that they lived before. Uh-oh, ouch. I use the R word. Repent from the way they lived before. One reason that the subject of baptism has gotten so confused is because too many people have overemphasized, as I said a moment ago, the method by which it's done. I don't, I don't, I'm not really too into methods in church, and I'll tell you why. When you establish a method for doing something, people get religiously connected to that method, and then they make the method a religious icon. Yeah. In other words, if you don't do communion every first Sunday... Wrong method. If you don't do communion by having the elders pass it, wrong method. If you, whatever it may be. I love to have dads come baptize their kids. Oh, you got to be an ordained minister to baptize. No, you don't. Show me that in the Bible. Philip was part of the ministry of helps. And he's with the eunuch. And the eunuch said, well, what stopped? They were at a chariot on the road. And the, and the eunuch said, well, what prevents me right now from being baptized? What's on each side of a road? They went in the ditch and got baptized for crying out loud. Right now, let's do it. If Jesus said it, I want it. What is it about us in our modern-day Christianity that we go, eh, gee, that was for Jesus. That was then. I don't need that. So we look at it like it's nothing but an act, a task, but we don't see that it's a symbol of our burial of sin. You take the old sin nature, and it's crucified, and it's buried in the water. That's the symbolism. The old sin nature, buried, but you rise with a brand new nature. There, there's, it's not just getting wet and doing some ordinance. Praise God for church ordinances and ceremonies. It's a supernatural event if you do it God's way. Then you might, well, what's God's way? I was sprinkled as a child. I was sprinkled as an infant. Listen, let me, let me make this clear, and I've done this many times, and I'll do it again every time I preach about baptism. I in no way, shape, or manner ever denigrate a person's infant sprinkling that was an important, pivotal moment in your family's life to take you for that christening and for you to be baptized in that setting. But let me help you. You were an infant. You know nothing about it. it you had no choice in the matter. It was, it was about family. It wasn't even about you in that moment. All you knew how to do was drink milk and poop your britches. That's about it. Praise God you've grown out of that. Amen. So you bury, you bury the sin nature. And the problem is we have a distorted view of sin. And we're all good. Um, 
Do you know that God sees no difference in sin? Whether it's a lie, whether you steal something, or if it's egregiously far worse, it's all sin to God? Well, it was just a little white lie. No, it was sin to God. And this is number three on your paper. Sin is simply this, disobedience to what God wants us to do. I'm making this about as simple as I can today. Number three, sin is disobedience to what God wants us to do. And number one was what? What was number one, y'all? You got your papers right in front of you. Just do what God said to do because it's the right thing to do. I don't want to. Disobedience. Sorry. James chapter 4, verse 17. He who knows to do good and does not do it to him it is sin. But I love how the, the Passion Translation says, So if you know of an opportunity to do the right thing today, yet you refrain from doing it, you are guilty of sin. It's only the right thing to do everything that God requires. He who knows to do the right thing and does not do it, it's sin. Before we chose to have Jesus in our hearts, we lived encapsulated in a life of sin. Everything was about the sin nature. You partied, you did whatever else you wanted to do in life. So did I, former drug addict. I know all about that business. Well, I never had any fun sinning. You were doing it wrong. That's all I got to say. I had a lot of fun sinning, but I have a lot more fun with Jesus. Can I get an amen? amen? But now we have Jesus in our hearts. So we had that time when we lived in sin, but we, need, we have Jesus in our hearts, and there's something that comes over us when we accept Jesus. We realize <coughs> that we're sinners, and we realize we need to be cleansed of some things in our life, and thus the journey takes place. And in some respects, baptism is kind of like a spiritual bath. That's why I said for some people who have backslidden and walked away from the Lord. I've been baptized, I don't know, three or four different times. Okay? Because I recognize not only the spiritual aspect of it, but the, the symbolism of it. I want to get a fresh start. I'm coming back to Jesus. I'm going to do this with all my heart. I want all this stuff washed away. Best thing to do is go bury that man again. Because he came alive. The old man came alive. I won't kill him again. I'm taking him down to the water grave. It provides a spiritual renewal. It provides a way to get a fresh start. And it follows a decision, though, to stop living like you did and now live for Christ. Again, if you, if you choose to be baptized but don't make a decision to follow Jesus instead of self, you're just getting wet. There are better ways to get wet, I'm just saying. On the day of Pentecost, seven weeks after Jesus' resurrection, the Holy Spirit filled the room where the disciples were at and gave them the power of God with boldness like they never have ever known before. Peter, in fact, stood up and he gave his very first sermon. And it was in that sermon from Acts chapter 2, verse 38, where Peter said, Repent! That's the first step. And let every one of you be baptized. Do you notice? First step was change your heart about your life of sin. Get baptized. And the name of Jesus for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Some translations say for the forgiveness of sins. Either way, what it is saying to me, if I choose not to be baptized, I don't have remission or forgiveness. So as I said a moment ago, baptism follows the decision to stop living in the same way you lived before accepting Christ. And you all should know what that's called. That's called repentance. Repentance is an important word for the child of God. It's something that we may often have to do, will often have to do. It's not just a one-time deal, okay? Because that old, that old man keeps wanting to come back. Can I get a witness? That old 
woman, I didn't even want to say it. It just sounds horrible to say old woman. I can say old man, but that old woman keeps wanting to come back. Can I I get a witness from somebody? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, blood bought, white as snow, washed in the blood of the Lamb, baptized, and then weeks, months, whatever it is later, the old man rises up again. You've got to battle that thing. You've got to take control of that thing by the word of God. Amen? So repentance, here, here's kind of how the sequence of Christianity ought to go. Repentance precedes baptism. It starts with confession. Confession is a realization of your sinfulness and taking ownership of that sin. And then it's a repentance, which is a turning away from having a change of heart about, a whole change of mind about that lifestyle. And then comes baptism, and after baptism comes this process that uh, some churches may call sanctification or conversion. Okay, Sanctification is not an instantaneous thing. In the spirit it is. There's something that happens by the regeneration of the Holy Spirit that only the Holy Spirit can do, you can't do, and I can't do. So that sanctification sanctification that sets you apart as holy, done by the power of God, happens instantaneously. But I don't know about you, I got up from an altar of salvation and still had the same stinking thinking. Still had the same pack of cigarettes in my pocket. Still had the same vial of peppermint schnapps in the car. Still have my bag of weed. Okay? I had, I had to have this, this process of conversion, this process of sanctification, this process of setting myself apart as well, changing my mind about things. That's the, that's the, that's the journey of discipleship, y'all. We're not supposed to be like pinballs. One day you accept Jesus and you convert. You were going that way, you convert. Now you go this way. I'm convert again. I'm going the other way. Bing! Back and forth you go. We're supposed to have a journey of overcoming those things, but you still got the pings in life. Can you get real? Y'all sitting there looking at me with that holier-than-thou look, staring at me. I feel like I'm going to stop preaching for a minute and just stare back at you for a minute. Thank you. And on that, I'll baptize my vocal cords. Fully submerged in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. In Acts chapter 5, verse 13, it tells how people had a great respect and a great esteem for the believers of the time. And why is that? Because the believers followed up their talk with their walk. The believers of that time changed everything about their lives. And they lived so differently to the rest of the world around them. And they were adherents, followers of the teachings of Jesus. Every one of the teachings of Jesus. They didn't say, well, I don't like that one too much. Or that one was for back then. I don't know if that's what paper sounds like when it rips, but it's my sound effect. So, Number four on your paper, Christians should look and act and think differently than those around them. I'll just go ahead and do it for myself. Amen, Pastor Rick. You go on and preach it now. You're doing good. Glory to God. (laughs) Through the centuries, as the church developed, something happened to the act of baptism. Instead of it being done as a personal choice and a public choice, because it's a very public thing as well, uh, a personal choice and a public choice to live as a believer in Christ, it became something altogether different. It it changed from being something that adults did as a conscious choice to being extended to infants who were too young to make any decision about anything. Really. And we do dedicate infants here. We don't christen them. But we dedicate them in the context of what Samuel's mother Hannah did when she brought Samuel to the temple and dedicated him to the Lord. And we ask God to protect that child and to direct that child's steps. But more than anything else, I make a strong admonition to the parents to raise that child up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. It's a parent, even then, even in that moment, the baby doesn't know what's going on. But mom and dad sure do. 
And it's their decision at that moment to say, we will raise this child in the rules of the Lord, if I can use it, put it that way. Little baby knows nothing about it, other than some good-looking bald guy held him for a minute. Uh, as denominations began, um, baptism, again, got different slants on how it was done. As I said, there were some churches back in the day, they would baptize you three times, once for the Father, once for the Son, once for the Holy Spirit. In other churches, you weren't submerged at all. You were simply uh, sprinkled. And as I said, I don't denigrate sprinkling. Please do not walk away. If you've been sprinkled as, a, as an infant, you've never had adult submersion baptism, Please do not walk away from this place offended, thinking that I spoke something negatively against that uh, event in your life. Okay, Because it not only meant a lot to your parents in what they were doing in their, their Christian understanding, but that certificate that they got for you, that meant something not only for them, but it meant something for you as well. Okay? Man, you all are quiet today. So, but, you know, uh, since a baby can't make a decision to receive Christ, we don't baptize them. Can't make a decision to receive Christ. And you have to make a decision to receive Christ before you can make a decision to be baptized. That's not a baby thing. So if you've been baptized as an infant, that was an important event in your life, but it was not this event. And you need to do this event as an adult making a conscious choice to do so because after all it's only the right thing to do all that God requires. And he that knows to do the right thing but chooses not to do the right thing is in sin. I didn't make that up, y'all. So, so in other words, the church did the baptism, no pun intended, what it's done to almost everything else in God's word, it watered it down. It watered it down. It, it took, you know, listen, Jesus, first step in his ministry. I need to be baptized. I must do this in order to fulfill and establish my right standing with my Father in heaven. I must. Jesus. And at the end of his ministry, gave an instruction to all of us, go and teach people how to be disciples and baptize them. How is it that we've taken something so critically important to Christ and watered it down in such a way that it's, in some cases it's, it's a joke? I have had people want me to baptize them privately. I refuse to do it. I won't do it. Absolutely not. It's a public confession. It's a public confession. But then there comes the question, you know, do I really need to be baptized in order to be saved? Boy, I'm opening up a whole theological Pandora's box right there, ain't I? Well, let me ask, okay, here's how I'm going to answer that question. I'm going to give you a definition of what a real Christian is. Can I be saved without baptism? Well, let me answer that question by giving you a definition of what a real Christian is. If you don't fit this definition, you ain't one. Is that hard enough for you? Did I say that with enough attitude? Thank you, Mary Pat. At least I got a nod from the back corner over there. For you. <laughs> Number five on your paper. Everyone that believes in Jesus Christ as the Messiah repents of their sins and obeys him in all things to the best of their ability is a Christian. Everyone else just thinks they are. Oh, I'm going to read it again. Because I'll guarantee you, as the Cajun said, this ain't going to be the definition for some of y'all, as the guys from Tennessee and Texas said. Everyone that believes in Jesus Christ as the Messiah repents of their sins and obeys him in all things to the best of their ability and their understanding of him, that's a Christian. 
Everyone else just thinks they're one. What category are you in? Are you authentic or just a dreamer, just a thinker? I think I am, I think I am, I think I can, I think I can, I think I am. A Christian is therefore a person who follows God's word as closely as they are able, and I always add that to it as a disclaimer, if you will, because none of us are perfect. All right? To follow God's word as closely as possible. And, and guess what? Being baptized is one of those areas. You know, a person who chooses not to be baptized, 99% of the time, it's because of pride. The number one source of sin. Well, I'm too old. No, you're not. Well, I just got my hair done. So what? I don't know that we've had very many baptisms at this church where just the people who signed up got baptized. We got people, you know, as Jed Clamp used to say, we're going to go put a, we're going to go to church. We're going to put on our Sunday, go to meeting clothes, and come sit around the fancy eating dinner table, have a meal. People come with their Sunday, go to meeting clothes, not their baptism clothes, and say, "I'll dunk me too. Do it now." Because there's an anointing upon baptism, y'all. It's not just a sacrament. It's not just an ordinance. I love what happened at Jesus' baptism. The Holy Spirit in the form of a dove alighted upon him. Great lesson. The moment of baptism is the moment that the Holy Spirit sets himself upon you and in you and overwhelms you. What followed that was a voice from heaven that said, This is my son in whom I'm well pleased, fulfilled, right standing with the Father. <clears throat> I've never had a baptism yet where I saw a dove coming out of heaven or heard a voice from heaven, but I believe in the spirit realm that what happens right there is that you are filled with the Holy Spirit, that, 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 that the Father in heaven, even though you may not hear the voice, is saying, I'm so well pleased with my son. I'm so well pleased with my daughter. That's a supernatural event, man, right there in the tank. It's a big deal. Let me help you with something else. Baptism by itself will not get you to heaven. Too many times we hear where a person cannot go to heaven without being baptized. If you don't get baptized, you won't go to heaven. Or if you just get baptized, then you'll go to heaven. No. Because that's not what it's about. Because I can get in that tank over there and have the wrong heart about it, and it's worthless. Or I can get in that tank over there and say, well, I'm going to obey God on a number of things, but, you know, fornication and uh, drinking and watching smut films. I'm going to keep doing that. That's worthless. I want to clarify the error in the belief that if a person isn't baptized, they won't go to heaven. Here it is in a nutshell. And through all my reading and my studying that about baptism, is that the first step, it is the first step of an obedient walk with Jesus Christ. But if a person wants to be a Christian but sees no need in getting baptized, then I'd probably question whether or not that person is actually a Christian. You know, what about the thief on the cross? He wasn't baptized. Well, that was a different time and he was going to paradise. I'm, I'm sorry. It wasn't about whether he was baptized or not. It was about the condition of his heart at that moment that he poured his heart out to Christ. I've had people that were on their deathbed. They had no opportunity to be baptized. What are you going to tell me? They're going to hell because they didn't get in the water? No, the condition of their heart made them right with God in that setting. But when you have the opportunity to make the choice for baptism and choose not to, your heart, what about your heart? Where's your heart at? The thief on the cross, as I mentioned. I remember uh, there was this guy... Dean, I think his name was Dean, no, no, no connection to our brother back there. 
He was a golfer at this golf course up in West Branch area, and uh, he had cancer, and he was dying. I mean, he was seriously, seriously sick, and he hated preachers, by the way. Um, but I golfed at the same golf course that he golfed at, and every now and again, I'd go to the golf course on my motorcycle with two clubs, a seven iron and a putter. That's back when I could play golf. And so, you know, they kind of liked the preacher. Came out in his leathers, you know, with the seven iron and a putter to go play 18 holes. And uh, he agreed to let me come to his house and talk with him. And that's the first time he'd ever even talked to a preacher because he hated preachers. And his wife made that very clear to me. But uh, he, he sat down with me. He made his way out from his bed, come sat at the table, and uh, shared with me with such amazing eloquence and conviction on why he did not believe. And I was astounded because I thought, dang, I don't know if I could share why I believe with the same eloquence and conviction. I mean, that cat was really had his stuff together. He didn't convince me not to believe, but he also was accepting of me because I didn't slam my Christianity down his throat, but accepted him where he was at and listened to him, actually honored what he had to say. And he invited me to come back and see him again. And I went back again. He finally let me pray for him. Uh, he did not physically accept Christ, um, but I, I shared the word with him over and over and over and over again, and he died in his bed one day. And some people would say, well, he's going to hell. He didn't make the choice, and he didn't get baptized. Well, here was my take on it. I believe all the word of God. I believe everything that's written in there. And it says in there that the word will not go out void, that it will accomplish that which God has purposed for it to do. That's what it says, right? So I believed with all of my heart that before that man took his last breath, he made his rightness with God. He made his restitution with God. I didn't see it. I didn't have to see it. I believe in the word. Okay? And uh, I, I got to do that guy's funeral at the golf course, by the way, as we named a ditch after him. <laughs> Dean's Ditch, it was called. Because all of us golfers ended up in that ditch. That's all there's <laughs> just saying. So what's my point? I don't have to see you confess. I don't have to see you. The whole point with this story, it was about Dean's heart. That's what God is looking at. Well, he didn't say the words. He didn't say the words to the standard sinner's prayer. He didn't walk down in the water and get baptized. No, the Father says, I see your heart. Now, this is for the person who doesn't have the choice whether or not to get baptized. This isn't for you sitting out here today going, well, it's all about my heart. I guess I don't need to. Number six, if a person decides they do not need baptism, did I do number five? Yes. Number six, if a person decides they do not need baptism, their heart is not right. And if their heart isn't right with Jesus... Nothing else is either. I agree. That's a great place to cry. I'll say it again. If a person decides they do not need baptism, their heart is not right. And if their heart isn't right with Jesus, nothing else is either. So what it comes down to is personally reflecting on your relationship with God. If you've already been baptized, I, I'd encourage you to learn more about what that means to you and what that meant to you and the importance of that event and share that joy with other people. When's the last time you went and convinced somebody to accept Christ and, by the way, let's go get baptized? That's our instructions, isn't it? Go make disciples and baptize them? Yes, who are you? Well, my, my, my name's Rick, and I just got this guy saved. I know she had a pool. Can we use your pool for a minute? For those of you who are considering baptism, know that this is a beautiful opportunity to declare your life to Jesus Christ and to others because it is a public confession. And here's number seven, my last point. 
Baptism is an outward expression of an inward decision. It's an outward expression of an inward decision. Jesus said to go into all the world and be the cause of making people believe in him. Be the reason, be the one that convinced them and sold them on the idea of believing in Jesus Christ. And then baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But for them to become believers, they must first have a desire for Christ. They must have a desire for a new life. Their hearts must cry out for forgiveness. All right, I accept him, whatever. No. You, there's no repentance without a godly sorrow. Godly sorrow worketh repentance unto salvation, the scripture says. Before you can be new in Christ, you first got to ask Jesus in your heart. And not just as some preacher's method of raising the hand and let's say a sinner's prayer together. Because I do that too. I wish I didn't. I, I long, I long, I long for the days, Jim. And the power of God is so thick, even on the first song, that people just are running to the altars, Chuck, crying out to God, Forgive me, for I have sinned. Save me, Lord. Right, Michael? Remember those days? That's what I long for. So before you can be new in Christ, though, you've got to make a decision. You have to ask Jesus in your heart. You've got to be willing to give up your old self. Well, I'll accept Jesus, but he's got to accept me as I am. Well, he will accept you as you are, but he loves you too much to keep you that way. Okay? Let him come in and clean you up, inside and out. In regards to baptism, Jesus said, it's only right to do all that God requires. It's only right. And if you can believe that and you can receive that, would you at least give the Lord a praise for that? Amen. So next week, we're going to have a baptism. I don't see Miss Corey around, but I believe she probably, do we have the, we do have the uh, uh, sign-up sheet. It's back at the communication table. Anyone who wants to be baptized next week, if you have never, see, you're, in a, you're, in, you're kind of in a heap of trouble. Here's how you're in a heap of trouble. You just heard the word. I just sent a message out to all my preacher friends this morning, basically saying this, preach the word and let the word do its work. I just preached to you the word. I'm going to let the word do its work. But you're going to leave here today knowing that if you have never been baptized, you've accepted Christ, but you've never been baptized, and you choose not to do so, well, I'll leave it open-ended. Or if you've, if you've never been baptized by submersion and have only had sprinkling as an infant, you've never done that as an adult choice, and now you choose not to, well, I guess I'll leave that open-ended too. Because that's not between you and me. That's between you and God. But I'll tell you what, there's something that happens powerful at the baptism waters. And so we're going to, I have just, by the inspiration of God, I came to the office and I, was, I had several ideas that I wanted to preach about. And just baptism was on my head and on my heart. And I said, by gummies, I'm having a baptism next week and I'm going to preach about it this week. And the Lord just gave me the words to share with you all. So I hope that you'll sign up and we'll just get a whole slew of people baptized and really on the road to discipleship, on the road to becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ. Amen. Will you be absolutely perfect at that moment? In the spirit, you will. In the spirit, you will. Because the regeneration of the spirit makes you whiter than snow so that when Jesus sees you, he does not see the sinner. He sees the saint. But you still got stuff to deal with and thinking to deal with and habits to deal with but that's the journey that's the empowerment moment in my mind now i got the power through the power of god amen amen i'm not going to preach all over again uh, i could but i'm not gonna and we never want to end a service without uh, giving people an opportunity to put christ into their heart to put their trust in him 
to say, I accept you today, Jesus. I recognize my need for a Savior. I know that you died for my sins. I am a sinner. And I want to become a believer today. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but should have everlasting life. It's not his will that any should perish, but that all should come to him. He loves you all, every single one of us, just the same, every one of us. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And that's true. But again, the moment you truly believe with your heart and make a confession, you're at that point willing to do everything that God requires of you to the best of your ability. So I want to give you an invitation this morning to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. I go pray for people in the hospital often, knowing as I arrive, I know, these, I know these folks, I know they're unsaved, I know they've never even given their lives to Jesus, yet they want him to heal them. And I'll ask them, I know they've asked me to come pray for their cancer or whatever, and I will, but there's that moment that I say, have you ever accepted Christ in your heart? And they'll go, no. And I'll say, I'm more concerned for your soul than I am for your life right now. Shall we pray about that? All right, let's pray about that. Then we'll pray over the healing. A lot of us want, we want our healing without the healer. We want our deliverance without the deliverer. And we want our salvation without the Savior. It's one of the greatest things you can do is recognize your need for the Savior. I need a Savior. His name is Jesus Christ. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Repeat this prayer with me. Father... I come to you today in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, who gave his life for me on a cross, took upon his shoulders all the penalty of my sins as though they were his sins. I receive his forgiveness today. Today, Lord, come on, say it with some emphasis. Today, Lord. I choose to live for you and to the best of my ability and with the best of my understanding do everything that you require of me. In Jesus' name, can you give the Lord a shout of amen in the house? Praise God. Amen. Thank you.